Broadcasting from the bottom of the canal, this is RFG, RadioFreeGowanus.org. Here, Radio Free Gowanus, broadcasting from the Interference Archive, the Building Resistance Propaganda Party. We're here at 1318 Street between 2nd and 3rd Avenue. I want to give a weather update. It is 35 degrees, which is 3 degrees warmer than it was this morning when I put the antenna on the roof. It was freezing cold, and it is going to stay freezing cold until Tuesday. Um... So, I have some guests in the uh, audience here with the on the mics here. I have Justin and Nicole. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having us. Well, thanks for coming by. Um, so, we were just having, I, I was just getting the lowdown, the skinny on um, who you are and uh, what you want to talk about today. But um, Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is exciting. I wasn't expecting to be on the radio, but I just thought it was a good opportunity to talk a little bit about uh, some things that we learned yesterday about the New York Health Act, uh, which is the bill that is currently uh, up for vote about universal health care in New York State. Awesome. Yeah. Um, And it sounded like you had heard something about it. Well, I have... uh, I had a secret double life as <laughs> a technical project manager uh, when the ACA was rolled out. Uh-huh. Uh, I was working um, with the freelancers union, uh, rolling out some uh, co-op-based healthcare. You may have heard of Health Republic uh-huh. at uh, one point. No, so I'm just learning about That's a okay. lot of things. They I did have freelancers union in the past. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah, had free- freelancers union um, is is great. Yeah. Uh, Health Republic was a, a, a co-op spun mm-hmm. up. Um, under their supervision uh, and uh, was around for about three years, I think, before um, becoming financially unstable and spiraling out of control like so many. We were just talking about co-ops and what was going on with freelancers unions because it's been about five years or so since we've been on it. So, yeah, we actually uh, I actually we actually moved back from California to New York because I couldn't get private insurance there because I had asthma and New York State, you know, there's no, ex- you know, you don't have, they have an existing um, condition clause that um. allows that allows people to be covered. So before I, the ACA, before the ACA, yeah. before the ACA. So right. that was a conscious decision. It wasn't the entire decision to come back to New York, but it was part of it for sure. Wow, wow, yeah. I mean, that's a part of the. That's one of like the big contentious issues, right? Is the uh, uh, pre-existing conditions right. thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's, um, we went to a talk yesterday uh, with Town Hall. Town Hall with Dick Gottfried. He's the New York Assembly rep who authored the New York Health Act. Uh, and they had a couple of other speakers uh, and they were talking about what would happen with the rollbacks of the ACA. Um, and so, of course, the pre existing conditions was a big discussion because that means that if you have anything, <laughs> pre-existing, right. 
they can just not insure you. Uh, and so that was, I think that's one of the things that people don't know about the ACA, that there's a lot of other, um, you know, not just uh, state uh, marketplaces that are set up uh, for people to buy insurance. There's a lot of other, you know, clauses and things underneath the ACA that uh, affords a lot of protection uh, that we are, you know, going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> And is one of them the sort of getting rid of the uh, pre-existing conditions or? Yeah. 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 So, of course, they want to kind of uh, kind of roll it back to pre-ACA days. Right. You know, so that the insurance companies can do whatever they want. Right. You know. Well, it wasn't. This is the one of the things that the ACA was just so horribly complicated and I think mm-hmm. uh, had such a marketing problem with yeah. that. Um, uh one of the things that was interesting was that um, when they were doing that, Obama kept talking about health care reform, kept talking about health care reform. And the moment it passed, mm-hmm. he changed to health insurance industry reform, which is actually what it is. Right. So it's, it, it is a regulatory, uh, you know, it's a set of regula- regulations on the, on the in- industry itself, mm-hmm. which, of course, they're not going to like in the current administration. Right, right. They don't want any of that. Right, right. Um, I know when the, it w- when the ACA was coming about, I think my biggest hope that was that it would be we'd get the go- the government option. I didn't expect like that we would go straight to universal health care or single payer, right. but like just to have a competitive government option that would show that there was, you know, a cheaper, efficient, less wasteful way for people to get health care and not have to um, suffer under what their particular insurance defines as what they can what they can get in terms of coverage who they can go see um i mean it's pretty insane because people think like oh they're gonna mess with my freedom of choice but you already your 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 choices are defined by who you're employed with by because they choose the cheapest insurance they can get at that time right so you're already your choices are already limited and you know so you <laughs> hear that mindset of they're going to take away my choices or I can't go to the doctor I want to go to. But with this act, if we have uh, this, uh, you know, universal health care for New York, the New York Health Care Act, Health Act, all doctors are going to have to take it and you can just go to whatever doctor right. you want to go to. Well, that's that's such a big thing about um, trying to find a doctor in New York, right? Because trying to find a doctor in New York is pain in them. But I mean, you know, it's so hard. It's so, it's so hard. hard. And people don't realize that, like, also, you know, it's just well, it's just one city, but you know, pe- people commute mm-hmm. like an hour and a half, two hours, right. just to go to work every day. Right. If their doctor's also clear on the other side of town, you know, I mean, and like, ha- the, and you have to go to a separate doctor for every little thing, right? So and you have doctors everywhere, all over the city. And then the other thing that that I, I know that I experience is that they change every couple years and then your entire history like doesn't stay with you it like it's just locked in these little you know that's a huge issue and if you have like a one centralized program all that data stays in one database i mean i have a friend who works in data for insurance and you have all these like small like databases and they're trying to figure out how to hook them up together but because each one is in a different place and you know, and people move, people yep. change jobs, people leave the city, go to New Jersey, whatever. It's a pain in the ass. And then every time you get a new doctor, a new insurance plan, you you have to like sign up to the, your new, I mean, I have this app called Hilo, 
it's like every time I get a new doctor, I have to refill out my stuff and then my data is in another database. We just had that happen yeah. because uh, we get insurance through Justin's work and they just changed insurance companies and so Justin lost his doctor that he's been going to for the past couple of years and has to find a new one, you know, just at the whim yeah. of the, the company. Well, you know? and I mean, you know, obviously it's unsustainable. I mean, the way, <laughs> you know, companies have to like figure out what to do when like the prices go up and it is always going up it's not you know it's not sustainable i mean right you know a lot of these costs we're paying for administration and a lot of like wasteful bureaucratic stuff and a lot of that could be cut down i mean through like it's such a tough it was such a tough issue i think that like so many industries have to have to do um a little bit of like non-capitalist gymnastics, right? right? Like right. we have to we have to encourage companies to ask what would be the best thing right. for our customers, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And and that includes employers, mm -hmm. right? What would be the best thing for our customers? Mm -hmm. uh, our customers are maybe our, the people who buy our products, but also the people who work for us, mm -hmm. right? So our employees. What would be the best for them? Well, what would be the best for them is if I offer somebody a job, they wouldn't have to change all their doctors, right? right. Yeah. And if uh, you know, if so, what is the New York Health Act? Yeah. So did I get that right? Yes, New York Health that's Act. right. New York Health Act. Um, it was a bill that was proposed uh, three years ago, I, I believe, and it passed in the assembly in 2015. It passed in the assembly in 2016. Mm. So it already has really broad support in the assembly. Um, but the Senate is a problem because the Senate is Republican controlled. Um, so that's kind of the idea is that it needs to pass through the Senate right now. Um, so the, the bill is uh, setting up universal health care, single payer health care in New York State. Uh, and they propose that it's going to be a huge savings on overall health care costs in New York. Yeah. Um, so the problem is with the repeal of the ACA, uh, we are slated to have 2.7 million people without health insurance. So that will, you know, two and a half million people will lose their health insurance altogether. Um, that's in addition to the one and a half million people that still don't have health insurance now. So it's a huge number of people that are going to be uninsured. That's just in New York State. Just in New York State. So my question is this, because it seems to me that this is a state-specific piece of legislation. Mm -hmm. Why does it have to pass the Senate? Uh, well, that's just how the bills work. So they first go through the Assembly, and then the Assembly has to pass it, and then it goes to the Senate, and then and then Governor Cuomo has to ratify that bill. So ah, okay. It Even if it only applies to New York State. That's right. Well, it's not the federal government. It's all the state legisla legislature. So it has to go through the New York uh, Assembly reps, and then the ah. New York State um, senators, and then Cuomo. So that's been part of what I'm learning about is just how these things happen on a state level. I mean, it's all kind yeah. of new for me um, and how these different bills get introduced and go through the whole system. How many of us know our state representatives? I, <laughs> I do now, but I yeah, didn't I before, yeah, exactly. right? I mean, this is the thing that, we, you know, we were just talking uh, to a whole bunch of people who, you know, have told this sort of same story where it's like now, yeah, right. this year, right. Right. I'm suddenly making calls to, you know, everybody, Gillibrand um, and Schumer and right. everybody else, right. you know. I admit culpability. I'm, I'm in there with everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So one of the interesting things that I learned through this process, which I did not know before, is that um, just in the last couple of years uh, in the New York Senate, they um, created a breakaway group called the IDC. I don't know if you know about that. I don't. Tell me. Um, so they are the Independent Democratic uh, Conference. And they, um, they call themselves Democrats, so people voted them in as Democrats, but they often vote as Republicans. Um, so this is, you know, tricky. very <laughs> tricky. As someone who votes down the line, it's tricky for me. And like I said, I didn't know my state reps before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I think this is like a big thing that everybody needs to realize that your representative might call themselves a Democrat but are actually voting as Republican, which is, you know, that's something you really have to watch that. <laughs> right. I think that there's, yeah, that pe people need to remember that, uh, you know, just because they're in a particular party doesn't mean that they share your ideals. Yeah, right. right. Like, yeah, we, exactly. we need to remember that yeah. and we need to be informed and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. I but, know you... Oh, God, no, please go ahead. Uh, yesterday... Um, the de director of governmental relations for Planned Parenthood, she was saying, you know, even some of our reps right here in Manhattan, Brooklyn, well, obviously Staten Island, yeah. are not, uh, are hostile to reproductive rights, you know, and people in the crowd are like, who? <laughs> who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy when you find out, you're like, that's my rep. I mean, and even in Brooklyn, there's Simka Felder. He's a uh, Democrat, but he votes Republican. I mean, everything that he votes is Republican. So it's just, you might think that your rep is, is Democrat, but that's yeah. not the case. So it's pretty amazing. I mean, I guess I have to, you know, I will, I will, uh, you know, my, my, my personal feeling is always sort of like, I wish we could sort of do away with this whole party, like two party thing. Yeah. Uh, because it's clearly yeah. a grayer area, you know, that we're playing on. Um, but it, but it does kind of, you know, I, it's. I totally you feel you there. Yeah, and I've voted down the line yeah. for years, right, you know, right. and just not really thinking about it. Who are these people? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. Do they do they support me? I don't know. I don't know. Democrat has to be the best option, right? I guess right. Yeah, <laughs> they're on my side. They play for my team, right? <laughs> you know. But uh, but yeah, I mean that's uh, you know, but that just means that I'm uninformed and that you know, uh, and the thing is that that information is out there. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people now are uh, doing what they can to kind of like educate themselves and educate mm -hmm. you know those around them. And I think that that is uh, a great thing. I mean that's why I, you know I love uh, the atmosphere we're in right now. Like, yeah, yeah. Know. This is the first time we've been to Interference Archive, and it's amazing. Yeah, it's I an mean, amazing place. This yeah. is. Incredible. Yeah, so part of the conversation we've been having, we've been meeting with a group of about 20 artists uh, trying to figure out how to raise awareness about New York Health Act. So, you know, it's great to just see everybody making these posters and stickers and buttons and T-shirts. You know, I think that is just like a really nice hands-on way of spreading a message. And, you know, it, it feels really good to be part of something like that. So it's exciting to see. And it's nice to see people like... You know, as artists, you, know, you play to your strengths. I mean, what can you do? I mean, you, you can't, like, suddenly understand everything about legislation, but you can bring awareness to it. You can say, hey, are you, you know, help people, like, see something, yeah. and then maybe they can do their homework. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to do my homework. I don't, you know, I try to explain it as best as I can, but they're, you know, I want to play to my strengths, which is, is visual, so that's where... I'm gonna put my put my time. Yeah. So have you guys been organizing these meetings, or is this? Uh... Um, 
so we started the meetings um, with a friend of ours. I, I sorry, I didn't start it. She started them because um, she she actually um, got cancer seven years ago and went through cancer treatments. Uh, she's I think she's 35 now, so you know she's really young. Uh, she went through cancer treatments and then it came back this past summer, uh, and so had to go through it again. Um, and then, you know, when Trump was elected, realized that the ACA was really in danger uh, and then started calling friends together to talk about what was going to happen. And for her, it means that her whole medication program, everything might not be covered. I mean, it's really a life or death situation for people. Um, so it's it's not just something that you know I believe in just because I think it's good. I, I it's really serious that people will die. Um, right. So yeah. I mean it's and it's a lot of people. Um, and I it's really kind of painful to just watch watch you know the people just talking about it as if it's just like about moving a little bit of money around here or there. It's not. I mean, it's a really serious thing. <laughs> it is. And the level of, I mean, the level of ignorance around the, you know, what it is and even just the name, this yeah. kills me. People are like, Obamacare is out, but the ACA can stay. And I'm just like, ah, I want to tear my face off. Like, that's not, they're just the same thing. Right, right. You know? Yeah, I think I think that's why we feel really like, oh, we have to talk to people about yeah. this because it's so complicated. I mean, it's taken us, you know, two or three months to sort of understand it. And yeah. there isn't really good information online. I mean, we can search around for it, but uh, we've been working mostly with the Campaign for New York Health. That's, I, if anybody is interested, mm. I think that is the, um, you know, website that people can go to that has the best information. Um, and they have a lot of actions uh, listed on their site. What's uh, the physicians group that's also in support uh, of it? The um, PNHP, which is Physicians Network <laughs> for National Healthcare. Sorry, I'm not very good at the, those acronyms. That was really good. <laughs> I, I actually can't do that. Um, yeah, so the the campaign for New York Health is really just a support group for that New York Health Act, and so they have all of uh, the detailed information there. Okay, uh, I, so I'm on their website right now. It looks like it's nyhcampaign.org. Yes, yeah. great, great. Um, cool. <laughs> and th this is, uh, I mean, the whole health insurance thing is a, for better or worse, uh, a. a uh, something that I you know have known a lot about just um, having worked in the industry a little bit yeah uh, which yeah. is just happenstance um, but it's great that you know it's great to see I, I also really like this idea that like artists are banding together yeah. for like legislation around you know health so you guys are both artists do yeah. you live in the area we live in Ridgewood Queens oh, in Queens okay yeah. right right yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ridgewood is but so Ridgewood is in Queens. It's in Queens, but well, it's kinda like Brooklyn. <laughs> it's, Brooklyn. it's the Brooklyn part of Queens. <laughs> I get so confused with it. Yeah. It's easy yeah. to no one knows where to Yeah, that, that, that was a legit question. But I, we yeah. lived not too far away before that we were in Crown Heights for seven years. Okay. So yeah. Right on. yeah. Um what kind of art do you make? I make paintings I'm and drawings sculptures Pain. and sometimes other things. Nice. And <laughs> yeah. you said you made drawings? I drawings, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I think 
Um, the other reason why we've been involved in this is because so many artists are without insurance uh, or they just have a hard time accessing insurance. Um, it's really expensive and a lot of artists are in that sort of in-between zone where maybe they are not eligible for um, you know, government assistance. Um, but they don't make enough money to really afford their own insurance. So, yeah, it's you know, it's yeah, that's like a really kind of middle zone is really scary place to be. <laughs> and I think a lot of New Yorkers are, right? So yeah. many New Yorkers have not the traditional work life. Um, and, you know, as an incentive, like, for New York itself, like, people start businesses if they don't have to worry about their health care. Like, if they can get health care... If there is universal health care, then they'll start their business. They'll, you know, go out there and take risks. And it, you know, when people take risks, other people are going to make money and, you know, communities will profit. Yeah. Um, so I think this is a great opportunity to really um, free up a lot of people to move around and do the kind of jobs they want to do. I think a lot of people are tied to their job because of health care. So many. And so I think this is such an amazing opportunity in so many ways. I am. You I know, am. just it, it makes people more secure. It lets them, you know, be more entrepreneurial. You know, they can go out and do what they need to do. Um, so it's, I, I just think it's absolutely necessary. <laughs> and, and just to backtrack, one of the uh, things that stuck with me uh, from the town hall is that we might have to put a lot of money into rolling this out, but their projection is like, what was it, $50 billion for New York State that we would save? Yeah, every year. I mean, because of the cuts in administrative costs uh, and, of course, the cuts in CEO pay, which is just enormous. It's atrocious. Yeah. You know, we're just funneling all this money into their pockets. So, um, And that's that's part of the hard part is that um, insurance companies are not going to like this. Well, no, because no, because like they they want a situation where they can make the most money possible. Oh right? yeah. yeah, But I think that this is you know, there's like a larger issue here about like the system incentivizing unethical behavior, right? But <laughs> right. I mean, the um, but it is true what you're saying. Like, there's this kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like if people are healthy then they'll then they can work and then they can if, they, if they're entrepreneurs then they can create jobs and if there are more jobs then people can you know get those jobs and they'll they'll make things they'll make products they'll they'll that's a that's a um that's actually it seems indirect but it is a very direct uh way to you know increase the the, the economy and mm -hmm. like you know give it a boost really from the ground up yeah you know and not from the top down in this crazy way that um you yeah. know, yeah. I mean, it's like weird Ayn Randian state that they imagine they can. Milton Friedman. Ayn Rand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. it's killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there. I mean, the more I find out about it, the more I'm like, we have, we have to do this. Um, and I think that it's just about getting the word out, and you know, people knowing what it is and knowing all the benefits that it can bring, um, because it doesn't seem to be any reason not to go for it. Yeah. I mean, we need a solution for it, uh, and really, healthcare is something everyone needs. I it mean, we, we can't, like, you are born and you go through your whole life and you need to see doctors and we can't be discriminating against who gets to go to a doctor and who doesn't. That's absolutely <laughs> true. Yeah. Um, so, so you guys are, um, 
kind of campaigning for this and like working and uh, going to these meetings around uh, this piece of legislation? And mm -hmm. you know, do you do you, do you meet resistance to this at all, or are you trying um, to sort of build? A maybe only online. I haven't really yeah. reached out yet to many um, communities outside of people that I know. I think. Um, within New York, there would be such a broad support for it if right. people understand the issues. And that's part of the idea is that, you know, just getting it out there so everyone knows what it is and, you know, can get behind it, can start calling their reps. I mean, that's really the most important thing is that people need to call their state reps and say, I support the New York Health Act uh, right. because they need to know that people are really behind it. Um, but the resistance is going to come, you know, in other communities where people are really against government anything. Right. You know, so they don't, they're going to say, I don't want to pay more taxes without thinking about the fact that overall you might be paying more taxes, but you'll be saving money because you're paying less for your insurance. Right. Or you're not paying for insurance. Yeah. Right. You're not paying co-pays. You're not paying deductibles those things are, are going to go away, you know, so I think, I think it's just about shifting that mentality, which is a little bit hard. I think that's going to be the resistance because it's so drilled in. It's weird. I, I don't think that it would occur to a lot of people to compare, you know, the, the amount that they're, the, the value that they're getting in health insurance, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe through their job or, or maybe just medical bills that they're paying out of pocket, mm -hmm. which is huge. And then comparing that to their tax liability, right? Because... I mean, my, my, I, don't, I don't make a ton of money. Like, my tax liability is pretty limited. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the, the medical side of what I pay, if I, or what, like, you know, the value that I'm getting there, like, that is enormous. Mm -hmm. Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, certainly, like, if you have a pre-existing condition, yeah. I didn't really know asthma accounted as that, but I guess it would. Like, why? I, mean, I don't know anything, why. Well, anything, yeah. In California at the time, that was, when were, when were we there? 2000? 2005 to seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would call and try to get insurance, and I was a freelancer. I was freelancing uh, uh, for what you're doing web development stuff, and um, yeah. they'd just be like, "No, you have to go. You can't. We can't cover you. Can't Sorry. cover you. you Sorry. We, See you later. We asked our, uh, you know, our pencil pushers, and they came back to us and they said no. <laughs> so. Right. So not only that, but pregnancy can be a pre-existing condition. Uh. So there's so many things <laughs> that fall under pre-existing conditions that they can just say, nope, sorry, we're not covering you. <laughs> you know, I was I was about to make some kind of crack about like it being weird. Like George Carlin would probably have like a field day with the fact of like, we can't get you health care. Why? Because you're sick. <laughs> well, you that's know? exactly what it is. But it's then, crazy. But I know, but, well, but it's not with the pregnancy, right? <laughs> It's like, <laughs> you're not sick, you're pregnant. That's the difference. <laughs> it's totally It's nuts. still pre-existing, right? Yeah, it existed <laughs> before you. It's like, define pre-existing right now. <laughs> it, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's like a, a rat's nest of punchlines yeah. there, but okay. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. Um, so do you have, so I'm sorry, I'm like vastly back and forth between healthcare and art. Um, are your studios in Ridgewood? Yes, uh, my studio is at home in Ridgewood, okay. um, and 
Justin is too. Yeah. yeah. We're just working from home these days, trying to uh, get out of the cycle of paying rent for studios. Yeah. And we have a great space and enough space there. So it's That's really awesome. good that we can do that. Yeah. We have the best landlord right now. So The best landlord ever. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Which is amazing and That's hard to find. It's rare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, my studio is um, in the next building, which is part of the reason why I can sort of like bring this here. Nice. And um, what do you do? I'm a sound artist. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> so, Perfect. Yeah, so it's a sort of... Uh, do you do um, sound installations or... I do, yeah. Performance, mm-hmm. installation, and, and then, you know, sort of like branching off into sort of like 3D work that uh-huh. uh, kind of is informed by a lot of field recording expeditions and that sort of thing. So wow, great. That sounds, sounds fun. interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's I actually consider what we're doing here field recording, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but nice. the field changes and comes to me. Nice. <laughs> which nice. Is That's perfect. great. Yeah. I, just, um, I went to a talk at Brick last week um, oh. about social practice, and they had um, a Blade of Grass was there, which was an organization that supports uh, social practice projects. And nice. uh, they had three artists um, talking about their projects. Um, and it was kind of new for me. I never really thought about social practice in that way. Um, I always thought it was like, uh, you know, people organizing a dinner party in the gallery or right. whatever. That's I didn't only Rick Ritt does. That. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't realize like how extensive it is now. And you know, the, the overlap of activism and, and art yeah. in that realm is, is pretty amazing. Um, that was what, one of the things I was trying to do the last time we, uh, the last time I did uh, this. So I usually do this for Gowanus open studios every, what is it? An- every year. Annually. Why did I have a hard time with that? Um, and it was kind of like an art stunt, you know? And like, it was sort of like, instead of putting headphones on people and like preventing them from having conversations with the people they came with, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like really awkward. Someone doing like this sort of hunched over with a glass of wine that they can't drink anymore. And um, I was like, this is terrible. This is a terrible experience that I'm bringing to, you know, <laughs> like everyone's coming in. They're just like, yeah, don't go in there. That's, <laughs> oh, there's no. nothing in there. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so, um, <laughs> So I just set up a table like this and, you know, invited people to come talk to me like you guys are. Uh, and then it kind of became something else. Yeah. Right? So then people were like, you know, hanging out and listening. I mean, I would definitely say this falls under social, social practice. Right. So this I like is to, a right. social this practice is project. The unsaleable art. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly how you define social practice. <laughs> Can you not sell it? Well, there it is. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. I mean, even land art they can sell. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, and so the drawings you make are, is that like your main thing you make drawings and or yeah well I I mean I have a full time gig okay Um, you mentioned web development yeah I work uh, for the Rainforest Alliance Um, okay so that's my Rainforest Alliance you have to say it like that Justin (laughs) Um, and then in my off time I uh, do very simple drawings Um, awesome yeah uh, a lot of it of course is geared to the political climate now because mm. I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. I think we all have our suffering trauma. <laughs> it is. From it. It, I think it is. I don't know. There's like a, there's sort of like a post-traumatic stress syndrome thing happening yeah. here. It started uh, election day and then it's just kept going. Yeah. But on the upside, I've been drawing a hell of a lot. That's good. Well, that's a good coping mechanism. Yeah. yeah it is a great coping mechanism. A lot of people have just been hitting the bar, <laughs> which 
is expensive and unproductive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, and is Nicole's your work also kind of gone political since the election? Or I've been really tr- trying to figure that out um, because I I make primarily abstract paintings, um, and I mean I I use uh, words and text and you know um, references in the work, but it's not explicit. Um, so I guess I'm just trying to think how that's going to happen or, you know, why or if it needs to. I think there's a space for art that doesn't have to be explicitly political. Right. Um, and I think, you know, that's necessary to preserve that and understand why that is valuable. Um, but I also think it's fine if you if you feel so strongly that you want to do something that's really explicit um, and really trying to, you know, talk about change in some way then then that needs to happen too so yeah yeah i'm i'm just sort of in this in-between zone of working that out uh, and what that means for me yeah yeah i mean it's i think that it's great if if it comes naturally and it just sounds like justin comes naturally for you to uh, to do the political drawing lately yeah <laughs> the main the manic <laughs> impulse but um, but I do think that it's like it's it's difficult if it is abstract to kind of bring it in. And I, I have been sort of swayed into this thinking, and maybe this is just guilt. Um, but that uh, that being apolitical is a, a privilege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I mean, and you guys are don't fall into this category because we're obviously you know very political people who are like engaged in you know working yeah, on I think actual I fall issues. Into it a but, little bit. I mean, well, I'm definitely, white. Definitely before. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I think it's kind of funny because I, I've had a couple of close friends who I love tell me, oh, pace yourself. And I'm like thinking to myself, well, I'm not really an activist. I'm not doing a whole lot. I'm just doing as much as I think I can in my free time. And if that seems like, oh, I just like everybody else to pick the pace up. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hear that the pacing yourself—it's like it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, you know that whole thing, which I which I, t- which I totally dig. Yeah. You know, um, we all have to like find ways to kind of like work it into our daily life. Well, and not get burnt out for sure. And not get burnt out—that's a yeah. fair fair thing. I mean, you need yeah. to uh, make time so that you can heal. <laughs> right. Yeah, healing—that has come up a number of times already. I was, yeah. I was just talking to someone who was uh, Raven was here. Uh, a woman named Raven was here talking about healing in particular. Mm-hmm. I think is like an interesting, uh, an interesting concept of the way that that kind of plays out. Um, yeah, but sometimes fighting is healing, you know. So yeah, that's that's part of the that's process. That's a hard thing to know too, like where where that line is, because I think if you're not, you know, you're not. And I think maybe for me, channeling it into something that feels more productive is the healing part you know rather than stepping away and not doing anything so i think i think that's you know a conversation too is that there are different ways of healing <laughs> yeah 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 <coughs> so um this is the the kind of like curveball question it's not really a curveball question because we're here at the building resistance propaganda party yeah and uh this term building resistance i think is resonating with everybody who's you know mm-hmm. who's sitting down with us obviously is everyone who's here uh has some sort of understanding of what that means so what does building resistance mean to you uh i guess getting educated uh and and 
locating the most efficient steps to causing change uh, for the things that are going to do the most good for the most people. Yeah, I, I second that wholeheartedly. I mean, educate yourself. Um, think about what your strengths are. And if you feel compelled, try to make some change. Awesome. Well, thank you guys both so much for sitting down and talking. Uh, Thanks for having me. us. This was super fun. Yeah. yeah was what a, a great project. <laughs> oh, my God. This is awesome. It's it's a fun project for sure. And, and the best part about it is I get to meet all, all, all my neighbors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Instead that's of, great. Yeah. 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 So. Thank so, you. Yeah, thanks so much. And um, are you guys going to make some buttons now? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm taking <laughs> some you, posters, some stickers. <laughs> did you did you bring propaganda for the... Um, I don't have... I have things that I've, like, made online. Oh, and yeah. They're not... They're, I've been doing it... Well, I did one shirt through Bonfire. Oh, which nice. Which is... Uh, they did the, some of the Women's March stuff. So I don't have any, like, tangible material, but... Um, I'm working up to that. That's awesome. Yeah, cool. Oh, so you should plug your personal websites you know so people can come see your art I'll, um i can plug my um my instagram okay it's uh at sedlav studio so s-e-d-l-a-v studio nice. and that's where uh most of my just drawings are in a couple and when i post shirts for uh fundraising they'll go there awesome uh, and my name is Nicole. It's N-I-C-H-O-L-E Van Beek, V-A-N-B-E-E-K. And I have a website and an Instagram. So you can check out work there. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much. And uh, see you around. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Bye. It was a pleasure to meet you. Thanks. Bye. This is Radio Free Gowanus. We're here at the Building Resistance Propaganda Party at Interference Archive. It's 131 8th Street between 2nd and 3rd Ave. We're here till 5 o'clock. Come on down, make some buttons, get some posters, uh, do some screen printing and other awesome stuff. And also, come talk to me. Uh, I'm DJ Mike here, and I am going to be here the whole time on air. 88.5 FM. And we're going to continue with uh, the playlist from the current exhibition uh, from Interference Archive. Finally got the news. The printed legacy of the U.S. radical left from 1970 to 1979. Broadcasting from the bottom of the canal, this is RFG, RadioFreeGowanus.org. <laughs>